Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and when your dog swallows food, it moves from his mouth down his esophagus through a valve uh, at the lower part of the esophagus called the cardiac sphincter and into the stomach. The stomach produces acids and a bunch of gastric juices that, of course, start the digestive process. The junction between the stomach and the first part of the small intestine, which is called the duodenum, is called the pylorus. And a condition called pyloric stenosis describes a thickening of the muscles and mucosa of the pyloric canal that causes a narrowing. And when this narrowing occurs, of course, it can inhibit the flow of partially digested food from the stomach into the small intestine. Pyloric stenosis, which is also known as chronic hypertrophic pyloric gastropathy, can either be congenital, which means from birth, or acquired, which means your pet gets it along their lifespan. It's more common in male animals than in female animals, and actually it's rarely seen in kitties, which is good. The congenital or from birth form is absolutely more present in brachycephalic breeds, which are the smash nose breeds, including the Boxer, Bulldog, and Boston Terrier. Usually signs appear between weaning because liquid food, of course, passes much more easily through the pylorus and about a year of age. So that first year of life is usually when this condition is diagnosed or identified. Acquired pyloric stenosis is more common in the Lhasa Apso, Shih Tzu, Pekingese, and the Poodle, and symptoms usually don't arise until about age 10. It's possible that high gastrin levels, which is a hormone, may also lead to this abnormal thickening process, which unnaturally narrows the, the canal. Other risk factors that may play a role in this condition influencing the disease process includes tumors in that area, as well as chronic gastritis. Gastritis is inflammation of the stomach. Chronic GI ulcers can also potentially predispose the condition as well as chronic stress. The severity of symptoms is directly related to the extent of the narrowing of the pyloric canal. Since pyloric stenosis disrupts the digestive processes, obviously most of the symptoms are related to chronic intermittent vomiting and regurgitation of partially or undigested food. Usually the vomiting occurs within one to two hours after eating. In young pets born with a disorder, vomiting can actually first appear as they're being weaned onto solid foods. They appear normal, and then between like that three and six week period when they're weaning onto solid foods, you can start to see regurgitation. Dogs with the condition often lose weight because they aren't able to absorb nutrients normally, and they can sometimes become dehydrated and actually depressed. They often also have respiratory problems due to the potential for aspiration of stomach contents as they have repeated vomiting. So left untreated, Chronic vomiting could lead to intermittent metabolic problems, but also secondary pneumonia. If your vet suspects that this condition is going on, she'll take a detailed history of your pet's symptoms and then perform a thorough physical examination. He or she will, of course, listen to your pet's lungs with a stethoscope because if the vomiting has been there for quite some time, then there is an increased risk for aspiration pneumonia. And actually, sometimes the weasels and crackles found in association with pneumonia is one of the ways that we diagnose this underlying condition. While there's no specific blood test for this condition that indicates pyloric obstruction or stenosis, if your pet's been vomiting for a long time, there will be a number, a number of abnormalities associated with the blood work because the pet's been vomiting. For example, low levels of chloride or a higher than normal level of bicarbonate in the bloodstream, as well as elevated kidney levels because of chronic dehydration. X-rays after barium administration may indicate that barium isn't flowing normally through the pylorus, and this is actually a very common way to diagnose this condition. Fluoroscopy is a second procedure that can be used to visualize the material as it passes through the stomach and into the small intestine, or in the case of pyloric stenosis, isn't.
However, these image tests don't necessarily diagnose the difference between pyloric stenosis or an abscess or a tumor in that area. If your vet is suspecting that there could be a tumor or abscess, then endoscopy may be recommended, which is where veterinarians pass a scope with a tiny camera into the stomach and look around, but then also biopsies can be taken in those instances. If you're going to go through the expense and the frustration of going through endoscopy, by all means, make sure that you get tissue samples because sometimes GI tumors aren't necessarily quite obvious and taking a sample to make sure that there's no tumor in, in that area is really, really important. Fluid therapy is very common and is necessary in severe cases of this condition to correct the underlying dehydration issue. If the pylorus is significantly obstructed, then surgery to widen the pylorus is the treatment of choice. There are several different procedures that a soft tissue surgeon will use depending on the severity of the disease and the potential for it to get worse. The good news is that many pets with mild pyloric stenosis only have occasional vomiting episodes and can actually live really normal lives without medical intervention. These pets do best on small frequent meals of fresh, moisture-rich, species-appropriate foods that are easily digested. And I recommend that you actually, you finely mince or chop their food, serve it at room temperature, mix in probiotics and digestive enzymes to make the food really digestible and absorbable.